Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. Daniil Medvedev is your 2020 NITO ATP Finals champion. He beat Dominic Team in the final on Sunday. 4-6-7-6-6-4. The biggest accomplishment of Daniil Medvedev's career. And guess what? He didn't even celebrate. Why? Because he doesn't celebrate. I absolutely love it. And I loved this match. I knew it was going to be good from the start. And I can't wait to uh, get into it, break it down. And then later in the show, I will uh, welcome in Joel Drucker, a tremendous tennis journalist for Tennis.com and also a co-host on my other tennis show and podcast called Three. And uh, I will I will leave a link in either the comment section, my pinned comment, or the description. We'll just have to see which way I go with that. Also, I just want to talk about the general narrative, which is, is there a changing of the guard? Is, is, are things, you know, are we supposed to now think about the landscape of the ATP tour completely differently? Because Nadal and Djokovic lost twice each to Medvedev and team. So we'll, I'll dig into that question after I'm done with uh, this final. And then Joel Drucker at the end. 2020 is over. The season is over. It is a bittersweet season because it's been a wild, full speed ahead, pedal to the metal couple of months here after the pause put everything kind of behind schedule. Um, but, you know, it's been really gratifying, really rewarding, and we've reached the end point. However, more content coming your way. Uh, keep an eye out for a mailbag this Friday. Um MMA Awards Annual Monday Match Analysis Awards. That will be next Monday. Then I'm looking forward to catching up with some with some friends over the course of the offseason, which I think you're going to really enjoy. I'll get some interviews cracking. So it'll be a lot of fun. Without further ado, let us start uh, our analysis of the final we just witnessed. Dominic Team and Daniil Medvedev. I'm actually going to start with really kind of what Dominic Team was doing so well. Now, first of all, I was really excited right off the bat. Both of them were doing what I wanted them to do. Dominic Team was blocking back his returns. Oh, it was such a beautiful sight. I was so happy to see it. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was so glorious. And let me just be very clear about something. Uh, one, making more returns in play, it's obviously going to give team a chance to use his defense, use his legs to get back into the point ordinarily. 
puts more pressure on any opponent, regardless of who's on the other side of the net. But Daniil Medvedev in particular does not have uh, a good, consistent way of producing aggression off of balls that don't come in with pace. So it was a no-brainer to me to just block back the returns. And if you get depth on Medvedev on the return, even if there's nothing on it, even if it's a floater, Medvedev's uh, forehand or backhand, whatever it is, likely you'll be able to to use your legs, defend, neutralize, get back in the point. That's just a product of Medvedev's racket speed and how consistent he is generating his own pace. So Medvedev, uh, excuse me, team was blocking back his returns. That was great to see. Medvedev, on the other hand, was playing really great aggressive tennis uh in, in the baseline rallies. And he was winning the long rallies because he was moving moving team around and redirecting brilliantly with his with his forehand and responding to team's backhand slices really well by running around his backhand. And I just really liked the way he was using his forehand in rallies, which is a key and it's an X factor. But ultimately, the math was tilted. The math was tilted in Dominic Team's favor. And here's why. The what I was really interested to see was points zero through four points. And again, in my preview, I explained team's first ball is better. Think about what I just said about Daniil Medvedev and his ability to generate his own pace. Now you have a guy in Dominic Team who is the polar opposite. He's one of the best plus one players in the game. Forehand, backhand, unbelievable amounts of power. You can hit a deep return and team can can still crush a winner on the first ball. If you give him open court, if you give him space, if you give him time, time is the big key there. If you give him time, you're kind of dead. You're kind of dead. His plus one tennis is incredible. So let's, in a hypothetical world, let's say... Team and Medvedev um, have equal success on return. Equal success. Team, and what I, when I say return, I mean the literal shot, the act of returning serve. Okay? And of course, it, it, it's, a, it's coupled with the act of serving. Let's say in a world where they are even. Serve, return, even. Team is going to destroy Medvedev in this hypothetical world. In points zero through four shots. Why? Because his first shot, his first ground stroke, is so vastly better than Medvedev, and that was really the case throughout the match. It was a, it was an amazing contrast, as we'll get to when I get into more specific kind of point by point analysis here. It was a huge contrast the whole match. So in order for Medvedev to have remedied that, he would have needed to get more free points on serve. He would have needed to put more returns in play compared to team. And when he got those returns in play, he would have needed to get them in play with more interest. The block return that I was so happy to see team hit, it would not have worked. It did not work for Medvedev. When Medvedev was not aggressive on his forehand return, which was the case oftentimes throughout the first two sets, Team said, okay, great. I'm 
I'm going to destroy this next forehand. So it was completely unsuccessful for Medvedev to block back his forehand return. And it was completely successful for Dominic Team to do the very same thing. So now let's jump out of this hypothetical world where they serve and return equally. And let's take a look at what actually happened here and, and dig into these numbers. So first of all, serves in play. Okay, I have those percentages for the first two sets. Unfortunately, I don't have it exactly in the third set. All I have is my own notes, my own charting. Um, and that's because Tennis TV, which posts the stats after the first set and the second set, didn't post the full stats after the third set, to my dismay. Also to my dismay, I can't find these anywhere on the internet, the stats that I'm talking about. But I did chart them. Okay. Without further ado, serves in play in the first set. Team, 86%. Are you kidding me? 86%. Medvedev, 74%. So team putting, that, that number is unbelievable. That 86% number is unbelievable. Uh, some of that in the first set had to do with Medvedev's first serve percentage being around 50. So half of that 86% was, or actually more than half, um, was team putting second serves back into play, which totally isn't the same thing. Um, second set, same thing. Team puts 79% of returns back in play. Medvedev puts a pretty horrid 63% of returns back in play. In the third set, this changes. But let's just focus on the first two for now, okay? Um, so... You look at points zero through four shots with that in mind. In the first set, in points under five balls, team won 24 to Medvedev's 15. Over five shots in the rally, Medvedev got the better of it. Medvedev got the better of play, 18 to 13. But because under five balls, team was dominant. Because he served better, he returned better, uh, but even if he didn't, his plus one tennis is so much better. He's going to be dominant in that category. Block return to the rescue. Block return to the rescue. Uh, second set, things evened out more in the zero through four shots category, um, and, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Remember, Medvedev did win the second set 7-6. I feel, I felt that team was putting more pressure on Daniil Medvedev for the vast majority of the first and the second set because he was so much better in the short rallies. He did better in the second set, team did, in, in the long rallies and actually kind of got a, a nice rhythm from the baseline. But ultimately, the the serve-return dynamic was really far in favor of Dominic team who used the serve to the Medvedev forehand to unbelievable effect. Medvedev's forehand return, it's kind of a, a long stroke. This was uh, highlighted well and emphasized on the ESPN broadcast, and they were on the money here. Um, so team was going to the Medvedev forehand return and having just, just eating it up eating up the forehand return and the weaker side for Medvedev. So ultimately, 
you hear me talking all about how team had this edge. Yet he didn't win the match. What happened here? Well, the truth is, and don't worry, I am going to get to everything that Medvedev did to win this match and did brilliantly to win this match. But first, let me just address the fact that team had simple, simple shots that he needed to execute in order to win this match in straight sets. He had this in straight sets if he just executed these simple shots. And the game that really sticks out is is 3-all. At 3-all, Medvedev misses a first forehand in the middle of the court off of a, a second serve. Again, it comes back to who was better in plus one and team just so much more natural creating offense off that first ball and so much more consistent. Uh, and that creates the break point. At 30-40, Med- um, Medvedev on a second serve, serve and volley. 83 miles per hour, he hit this second serve. Team ran around it, ripped it inside in. Medvedev hit a, a stretch volley and put a lot of air under it, but it was a decently placed drop volley. Still, he was not in a good position here. And team gets up to the ball and scoops it wide. He had open court to work with. He didn't need to make it so good. He didn't need to hit a winner, although he could have. And he had plenty of options. Point blank, really, you know, six, seven feet away from the net. Uh, It was not a good one to miss. He had that. It was right there. By the way, um, Tennis TV and ESPN took away my ability to screenshot. When I I open up my screenshot app, it goes black. So I can't show you any of this visually. I'm sorry. I know I usually do. And I will will tell you I'm going to work to fix this in ways that I'm not going to go into detail. Anyway, 30-40, team has it. He need, it it's break point. He, it would have been 4-3, up a break in the second set. Things were really rolling his way, and he misses this shot. Medvedev misses um, another forehand, but remedies that with an ace at uh, to save another break point. Now at deuce, amazing short slice by team. Gives him... This forehand cross court with the open court, which he crushes and does so well to give himself a forehand on top of the net. It's an easy put away forehand and he hits it long. A terrible forehand miss. And then um, Medvedev on the first ball makes a drop shot error. Again, serve plus one Medvedev first shot error. At deuce. Team gets a look at a forehand pass. It's a pretty average pass, especially on team's on team's uh, strength. I think he expects to make this, and he shanks it. Doesn't even make Medvedev volley. Team shouts in frustration at this point. He could have easily made that pass. He doesn't. Medvedev hits an ace. He's gonna have nightmares about this three all game. He will. And at two all, by the way. Team also created break opportunities, and Medvedev's clutch serving really brought him out of it. He still wasn't returning well enough to make any kind of dent on the Dominic team serve. And pretty much any time team 
made a first serve to the Daniil Medvedev forehand, it was nearly an automatic point, and the plus one play was overwhelming because rarely did Medvedev get first serves uh, returned with enough quality to avoid teams terrifying first strike tennis. But the net play came to the rescue when he needed it most. Medvedev had that X factor in the second set. And it really gave him a lot. The first set, Medvedev was 7 for 10 at the net. In the second set, Medvedev went to the net twice as often. Granted, there were a few more games, a few more points. Uh, but Medvedev was 15 for 20 at the net in the second set. And he took away team's defense. That's what he did. He took away team's backhand defense specifically. Dominic team's ability to slice the ball on the backhand with comfort and wait for an attackable shot. No, couldn't do that anymore. Medvedev was coming in. And he was coming in on the most important points at the most crucial junctures. Serve and volley when he needed it. Mixing it in extremely frequently. Medvedev, 13 for 16, serve and volley on the match. 6 for 7 on second serve. It's massive. Those are That's a massive number. So big. Such a key uh, role in winning this match. Um, and if we want to go micro in the second set, let's just go to the tiebreak. Can go no further than the tiebreak. Team is up to love. Medvedev goes heavy to the team backhand. And I wish you I could show you these screenshots. But um, when Medvedev strikes this ball, he knows that team is going to slice. Team slice defense is one of the major developments that has enabled him to have more success on fast courts. The fact that when you go heavy and hard to the team backhand, he puts it back in play. Well, that just wasn't the case when team was young. He used to not be able to defend that wing. Used to get, used to be able to force errors really easily if you went heavy and you stretched team out to the backhand side. No longer is that the case. So what what can Medvedev do? We've talked about his difficulty in really generating offense off of um, balls that lack pace, which the backhand slice does. So that's why it would figure to reason that team could have tons of success using backhand slice defense on Daniil Medvedev and flipping points around. But Medvedev's net charging takes that away. At two love, Medvedev goes hard to the team backhand with, without hesitation, approaches the net, and finishes the volley. My favorite point maybe of the match is at 2-3. This is on serve. And team is going to hit a second serve here. Medvedev is going to hit a backhand return cross court and come in behind the return. He did not do that all match. It's a solid return. It's quick. It's not a lot of time. Team, as soon as that ball leaves Medvedev's racket, he's going to go to continental grip. And for those of you not familiar with the terminology, that's your slicing grip. That's not his topspin backhand grip. Suddenly, Medvedev's at the net. And team has his slicing grip. He's screwed. He has no play. And he hits this 
kind of lackluster, like panicky backhand that goes halfway up the net, not even close. What a brilliant tactic. Again, the wild card mad scientist, what is he going to do, Daniil Medvedev, and his effectiveness at the net was the main reason why he turned this match around. Now in the third set, things shift even more. I believe team gets tired. Why? Because, first of all, this has been a, a really exhausting tournament, but also... Uh, I think he exerts a lot more energy in your average baseline rally. Medvedev just loves to kind of massage the ball around the court. He's making team move and team is injecting all the pace and doing all of the work. And I, I do think that that team just gets fatigued. And what happens is a, a little bit of juice comes off of his serve and I don't really feel like Medvedev was making massive adjustments on return, and I would love to tell you that he did this and he did that. Um, ultimately, if you look at his average return point, it moved back a little bit, maybe buying himself a little bit of extra time on the forehand. But really, his strategy was the same throughout, which was up tight on the baseline on the deuce side to cut off the wide serve, and way back on the ad side. Um, but he just started hitting forehand returns, especially on the deuce side, with a lot more interest, just playing that return a lot better. But overall, I feel like this was the biggest key. The rallies got longer. Again, I wish I had a stat to back that up. Unfortunately, I don't, because Tennis TV did not show it at the end of the third set. But this match, the entire time, I really liked team when the points were short. I really liked Medvedev when the points were long. Well, the points got long in the third set, towards the end of the second set. So the match just shifted into Medvedev's wheelhouse. That had to do with the quality of Medvedev's return. That really took away, for the first time all match, took away team's first strike tennis. His returns were good enough to do that. And I'd love to tell you what he changed. But really, I just thought it was team getting a little bit a little bit tired, which took some juice out of his first serve, and somehow Medvedev just started teeing it up. I didn't notice a massive change in Medvedev's return position. Uh, the whole time, he was really cutting off that wide angle on the deuce side and backing up on the ad side, but Medvedev was playing more aggressively on, on the forehand return, but making it. And, you know, he was uh, neutralizing teams plus one tennis for the first time. On serve, Medvedev was finally kind of getting in, the, in a good enough service rhythm to actually get a bunch of free points for the first time all match. I still think team was had the right approach on return, uh, but out of the points I charted, which was not all of them, I think Medvedev played... Uh, 27 service points. And I missed some. I don't chart every point. Sometimes I miss them. But out of the points I charted, uh, team only put 71% of returns in play. Remember, he put 86% in the first set, 79% in the second set, 71% in the third, but probably lower because I missed some points. There are some I didn't chart. So likely lower and uh, likely in the 60s with returns in play. 
So that totally, that paradigm completely shifted. All around, Medvedev's wild card variety and tactics were just brilliant to watch for the entire match. Um, he he played he played a tremendous match, and and in this third set, he really seemed to have an edge. All right, is there a changing of the guard? I'm going to keep this short because I'm already pretty long here. Um, here's what I want to say. This is happening in slow motion. This has been happening for the better part of two years where these guys, this next crop of players, and not to say that they're all the same age, team is older, but I'm just going to call them, you know, outside of the big three, team and Tsitsipas. And um, Zverev has been doing it kind of for a longer time intermittently. But all of these players are starting to beat the, the big three in best of three matches more and more often. In the case of team, even best of five sometimes. This is happening really slowly, progressively. This is not some kind of revelation. If you would have asked me on Saturday, what's more likely? A... Djokovic-Nadal final or a Team Medvedev final? I would have said Team Medvedev. This should not come as some kind of shock. This is not a changing of the guard tournament. It's not. It's a changing of the guard three, four years. That's what it's going to be. That's how this is going to play out. Not to mention... Um, best of three is a... It, it, Best of three without a break, it's a different kind of thing. It's a different animal. And so far, what these guys haven't been able to do is beat Djokovic and Nadal and, and even Federer. Look, I know it's kind of a strange place with Federer because he didn't play this year. But last time we checked in with Roger, he was in the Wimbledon final. So, um, you know, they haven't really done it in majors yet. And once they do it in majors, that doesn't that still doesn't mean there's a changing of the guard. That just means they can do it. Doesn't mean they will do it every time, but it's a progression. It is a progression. Now, at the 2021 Australian Open, can you feel as good about picking Djokovic or Nadal to win the tournament, to win the Australian Open compared to 2020? No. Why? A whole year went by. Of course they're better. Of course the chances that Djokovic is going to win the Australian Open are lower in 2021 than they were in 2020. But that doesn't have anything to do with the NITO ATP Finals. That has to do with the way these guys are developing. This tournament wasn't a changing of the guard. It wasn't. This tournament in isolation? No. This entire year, this entire two years, as Dominic team has progressively gotten better and better and better, that is the changing of the guard. As Daniil Medvedev emerges as a huge threat on fast, low-bouncing surfaces, that is a changing of the guard. It's not this tournament, and the guard hasn't changed yet. So I can say that's a changing the guard, no. That's just a step in that direction. 
It will happen. It's coming. We're seeing it. It's in front of our eyes. Don't get me wrong. But this tournament isn't it. No tournament will be it. Because that's not how this is really. Now, if if there are some major finals that Djokovic and Nadal are defeated in, then we can start to talk about that. And if it happens two times in a row, if it happens three times in a row, then we'll know. Until then, no. Here's Joel Drucker. We're joined once again by Joel Drucker, the tremendous tennis writer for Tennis.com, historian at large, Tennis Hall of Fame, and my co-host on our podcast and YouTube show, Three, which is about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. If you haven't checked it out, just look up Three, a tennis show, and it will come up. Joel, thanks for uh, coming on on Monday Match Analysis. Terrific, Joe. What a great match we saw. It was. And this was following the, the U.S. Open semifinal which team took in three sets of, of slightly greater consequence. But just a, a couple of months later, uh, they meet again and the results are reversed. So how would you, how would you compare those two matches in, in how they ultimately played out, given the results were different? I think at the U.S. Open, I think Dominic team proved the man of destiny and he was such a so good in tiebreakers throughout much of the year. It clutched tiebreakers at the going back to the Australian Open versus Nadal in the quarters. And then in this match with Medvedev, I think Medvedev at the U.S. Open felt a little bit of that pressure to defend those points from the prior year, even though he didn't have to technically do them given the pandemic points allocation. He wanted to reach that final again. And I think he got a little tight in that U.S. Open match. London, a, a different story. A different story. Team... Maybe a little tired, maybe a little more relaxed, having earned a major this year, having just won a very uh, dramatic semifinal versus Novak Djokovic. Medvedev, having also won a dramatic semi versus Nadal, but I think he felt a little bit more free and liberated, and it, it really played out in the course of the match. It was fascinating. Yeah, Medvedev was having a, a not, you know, by most players' standards, a fine season, but by his standards, a, a pretty bad 2020, given his expectations and he's completely turned it around didn't didn't lose two weeks straight Paris title ATP finals title um as for kind of teams fearlessness in in big moments before we get back to Medvedev um what do you think of of the way he's playing these tie breaks with this just unrelenting fearless confidence taking huge cuts if anything getting more aggressive in pressure situations I love the way Dominic team competes. I love the way that he, his approach is based on the faith of having put in the work. He's put in the work. He's taken the practice swings. They're his swings. And it's a little bit, if you look at like basketball, you're Steph Curry. You've been practicing the 33 footer, hit it, shoot it, have faith in it. This is, it's, it's, it reminds me in a way stylistically of the way Pete Sampras would play not so much the backhand as much as the approach of the game. You've been trained, you've been taught to hit the ball a certain way and play a certain way. Go do it and bring it and hit it. And it's great. I think it's very compelling and it's, it's really exciting. And I think there's a certain electricity I feel when I watch Dominic team play. It's like, wow, look at this guy. This guy is, and it's different than people like Zverev. And then we'll, we'll talk about Medvedev about his deal. Like I think, I think Zverev, 
only sporadically has that. And he has something else going on with him psychologically in his serve and his thing. Am I, am I a grinder? Am I a steady player? Am I supposed to be an offensive player? And I think there's team. Team has these patterns that he knows he's supposed to run. So run them, young man. Run yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. I love that description. Now, Medvedev got him in the second set tiebreak this time. Um, he mixed in a, a bunch of serve and volleys, if I, if I look back here, um, and was, was doing a lot of things that were just different from the rest of the set, keeping Dominic Team on the move, not giving him those ground strokes in the middle of the court with his, with his feet set, which Team absolutely destroys. Um, and Medvedev did, did such a nice job here, kind of flipping the serve return dynamic and getting into more longer rallies. Um, but there was a certain level of unpredictability in Daniil Medvedev's tactics. I felt that made such a big difference in this match. Uh, he pulled out new things under pressure in big moments. So that's kind of Medvedev's version of how he deals with pressure, different from Dominic Team. I think Team has a narrower set of plays, but he's going to run them. It's like he knows. I think you're covering the, the mic. I'm sorry. I, um, uh, he has a, I think. Uh, team has a certain number of plays that he knows he needs to run and he can improv, but there's certain things he likes to run the big backhand, the inside out forehands, the, the ripping forehand, the physicality to him. I think Medvedev not quite as physical, but a little bit more of a various problem solver, a little more of an improver. And he's seeing early in that match after he lost the first set. No, I'm not going to let you do that. Oh, here's an opening for me. Here might be an opening. Go grab it. Go try that. Go ask this question. I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting how they eat. We can learn from each of them, uh, team, the faith in his core offense that has worked for him so well, so often helps him win the U S open helps us help him reach other major finals. And here's Medvedev who's a little more improvisational. No, you're not going to do that to me again. Oh, Oh, let me see. I'm going to slice it low to your forehands. Oh, you don't hurt me as much. Oh, you miss. Oh, you miss on that side. I mean, for example, I don't think, team is concerned with making you miss that doesn't mean he wants to hit a winner as much as he's gonna he's gonna physical you into a miss medvedev is gonna more manipulate you into a miss he's gonna maneuver you it's like the miss the the miss isn't gonna he's rarely gonna hit a shot that's gonna be like it's gonna blow you off the court though he hits some of those too that's what sometimes Sometimes right right but he's a little bit more a little more west coast offense medvedev a little more west coast offense yeah and and you know there's a big disparity in the in how much energy team exerts on every single shot compared to medvedev okay i'll use your pace um i you know he's not firing in the legs every forehand he hits and i felt team was the one who got tired in this match i felt it would be that way one because medvedev has just a way of lengthening rallies and massaging the ball around the court and he's forcing team to generate everything and I felt that might have contributed to, to why team just looked a little bit petered out in the third set and, and Medvedev can go forever because Medvedev is not generating, he's not generating the energy in the rally. All of it is coming from Dominic team off of his racket. Well, he's kind of saying, go nuts, knock yourself out. Go ahead. I'll just kind of rope a dope you and I'll mm-hmm. kind of work it. It's a little bit like players. Like I saw a tweet that reminded him of, uh, reminded some of, of Sue say the, the female player who, and, and then there were other players like, um, uh, you know, sometimes like Santoro, Fabrice Santoro would do some of those kind of things. Now, remember the thing with Medvedev, this is a guy who's 0-6 in five set matches. 
So when we look down the road from Medvedev, I think what we see is a fitness developmental play to become more fit. So if you're going to do that kind of stuff, you better be ready to do it for five hours on a hot day. Whereas we have no doubting Dominic team's fitness, but two out of three indoors, that's very Medvedev friendly. That's 100%. a percent friendly situation indoors, low bouncing court kind of, and knowing when you're playing a match that's two out of three, the end is in sight soon enough. And in a way, yeah, there's kind of a, a season ending quality to that, uh, to that for, for Medvedev and team and maybe team. Yeah. He just kind of was kind of flummoxed and the, the ball was on the table, the, you know, the cookie was on the table and it was, um, it was Medvedev who grabbed it. Medvedev mm-hmm. who innovated Medvedev. who said, no, Don, you're not going to do that to me anymore. I'm not going to let you get away with that. Medvedev actually admitted this week that he feels he plays best of three better and the format suits him. Uh, I completely agree with you. He is fit enough to be a roadrunner in best of three is for, you know, the complete um, allotment of time that can take place in the tennis match. Best of five totally shifts the equation and uh, indoor hardcore, perfect com- conditions for Medvedev. The ball deadens on, on the surface a little bit. His shots stay so low and uh, he serves well. Um, the, no wind to take his toss and his toss has been a problem. So I'm totally with you on all that. I want to ask you about his net rushing because it looks weird, kind of, uh, a lot of his technique looks weird, but it's almost like who taught you how to play? What is this technique? I saw him hit a backhand overhead with two hands against Nadal. It's like, I've never seen that before besides maybe Marion Bartoli. Um, Yet in the big moments in this match, Medvedev came forward and it was a huge kind of winning strategy for him. He even got the break by hitting a return and coming in off the return, which you like to ask me if I ever do that in my game. And I always tell you no, and then you give me a shake of the head. Well, you know, volleying is a lot about attitude, even more than technique at times. It's a little bit like basketball. It's like driving the lane. You're just going to stick your nose in there and you're going to get some tip-ins and some odd things are going to happen. And you're going to wave your hand and say, come up with a passing shot, buddy. You got one of those? And the volley technique of Medvedev, I, I saw, I was watching some of it, and there were a few where it's like, what is this lead up to the volley? But I guess at contact, you're okay. You, you kind of pulled it off. But, and, and this might explain the five-set dilemma because over the long haul, there's this whole connection between fitness and technique. This is why um, people like Djokovic and Team 2, they, they're built for long matches. Because when your technique is solid, that will stand up. And so with Medvedev, I think there's this whole little fitness technique thing going on that might break down. But two out of three sets indoors, hold, held up well, well enough. And the net rushing, the net rushing was a great way of saying, no, Dominic, you're not going to line up to hit those, those big ground strokes. Here I come. Here I come. Deal with me. Deal with me. And he's six foot six. Medvedev is six foot six. And he, and he gets in tight to the net. And it's, uh, it's kind of a a strange disruptive package and, and, and who knows quite where the volley is going. And, and there he is. And he hits some off the frame and he hits some drop volleys and some angle volleys. They're not predictable volleys. What's going on here. I agree with you that there needs to be a, a fitness kind of development uh, occur with Medvedev, but not only in his endurance, also in his, just his muscular strength so that he, he has a little bit more, 
um, ability to accelerate and generate his own pace. And that's, that's what team does so incredibly well, which is why this match is so fascinating. So here's how it played out to me. Ultimately, I thought throughout the match, it was mainly team winning the short points, Medvedev winning the long points. And what changed is that in the, in the first two sets, the points were mostly short and then the points got long because Medvedev's returning got better. And it, it started to be Daniil who was getting all the free points and team's first serves were coming back finally in the third set, which Medvedev really wasn't doing um, throughout the rest. Well, you know, I think if Medvedev, I just, I don't know why I thought of that. I thought of like a, like a bumblebee. Then that made me think of Arancha Sanchez. There's just this way he, he creates a certain kind of commotion, Medvedev. It's not, mm-hmm. not, not bad. There's nothing, um, there's nothing unsporting about it, but it just has this feeling. It's like this, this energy flow, this energy pattern of what is going on here because He's not purely playing. He's not purely hunkering down. He's slapping shots. He's hitting big serves. He's occasionally ripping a backhand. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on out there when you're playing him. So you got to really you got to really concentrate. And if you don't, he's going to still keep snipping at you. And it's not like he's just going to plow through you the way someone like Novak does or even Team does. No, he's going to keep. So you're going to still feel like you're kind of in it. I think I'm kind of in it, but no, I'm not. And what's this guy doing? And it's just, it's just this whole, it's, it's this weather pattern. It's this traffic jam. It's, it's beguiling that it's creates a lot of problems for people. And I think unless you really stay on it and I think team kind of, it just got a little much for him at sometimes and the margins become lower and now he's got to hit a bigger shot. And it's all, it's all this thing in tennis. How do we, how do we create the climate that makes the makes my opponent feel the court is small and me feel the court is big? Yeah. Well, let, let's end on this. It goes with what you're saying. Does Daniil Medvedev think the game? I'll, I'm gonna re I'm gonna reframe this. How well does Daniil Medvedev think the game from what you've seen um, out of out of all the players you've watched over the years? Where is he in that conversation? Because I'll just say that I never know what he's going to do. I always feel like as a, as a viewer, as an interested spectator, I'm always one step behind him. And I just, whenever I watch him even play on a shot by shot basis, I feel like the wheels are turning and not only does he have options, but he's constantly doing different things and using those options. I agree with you. I think he's kind of a tactical savant that way he's kind of a genius and yet what we're seeing remember this is a guy who still presumably has his best tennis ahead of him so he hasn't quite consolidated the whole game it's not like we see this is the Medvedev game so we don't know quite what it's yet going to be entirely and and if he's going to be fit enough to play long matches at majors or is he just going to be one of these boutique players sometimes and I know that sometimes the clever player and I think Martina Hingis fell into this trap they see the game so intelligently that they eschew some of the physical hard yards it takes to just buckle down and succeed at the world-class level. And mm-hmm. so that to me is going to be interesting to see if he, if he really gets the physical part down or does it, or, or do we remember him? Does he become like what you call a cult player? Oh yeah. Remember that guy Medvedev? He was something for a few years. He was, he was, he was in the mix or does he became a sustainable enduring contender? And I think that's what makes it fun to watch him now too, because I'm still, 
you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't say, oh yeah, this guy, he's going to have seven years in the top three. I don't know that yet, but he sure is fun to watch. And he provides a lot of uh, entertainment education value. Put simply, sometimes Daniil Medvedev looks terrible and sometimes he looks incredible. And uh, in the last two weeks of the season, he's looked incredible. Jill, thanks uh, for coming on. You're welcome, Gil. And make sure to check out our show three about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Monday Match Analysis, the last match of 2020, um, which is uh, incredible. So if I could ask a favor, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, and if you tend to, please uh, leave a rating and review to celebrate the end of 2020. And uh, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you are following. That's also a big help. Um, Anyway, thank you, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.